FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 431 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Boo Boo Venable, and it's a b- b- bonus episode of Gambit's Gumbo. Now we're going to look at uh, some Gambit solo guest appearances in the issues of Moon Knight. So this is Gambit and Moon Knight. Um, we have three issues we're going to cover today. Moon Knight 50, Moon Knight 52, and Moon Knight 53, which uh, all Gambit appears in, um, at least to some degree or another. Uh, he's really barely in 50, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so yeah, so keeping up with our flashback, um, right along, uh, gonna do for, for Grant and anyone else that enjoyed the Gambit's Gumbo, uh, we're gonna do a short episode on these, these three issues of kind of what Gambit was doing on the side, um, actually, you know, I think if you, if you go by the complete Marvel reading order, I probably should have done these before we did the Gambit's Gumbo for Uncanny 299. I wasn't sure I was doing this at that point, <laughs> and so, and plus, it took me a while. None of these issues are on Marvel Unlimited, so it took me a little bit of extra time to track down some cheap physical copies, and so that's why we're getting to it now, um, you know, just after following the events of Uncanny 300, uh, which Gambit was not in, so that, that kind of works okay. Um, but basically, really, this is aftermath of Infinity War. Uh, remember Gambit and Moon Knight uh, had some bonding time during Infinity War, which we barely talked about in that episode, um, but it was there. And so this is kind of following up on the pieces of that. And that's really, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that at the end. We'll talk about kind of what effect this has on Gambit overall as a character once we get through the issues. So, all right, with that said, here we go. Moon Knight number 50, jumping right in. Um, this is the giant size 50th episode, and it is called Blood Rites, written by Terry Cavanaugh, pencils by James P. Fry, inks by Chris Ivey, letters by Ken Lopez, colors by Christy Scheel, and our cover is by Fry and Ivey. And it's a die-cut cover, because it's 1992-3. I think it's really right at the beginning. It's, it's cover dated May of 93, so I think that's going to put it like right around January or February of 93. Um, but it's a pretty cool die-cut cover. So on the front, we have Moon Knight's hand holding his Avengers ID card, but it's going up in flames. Right, and then in the middle of the cover, where the flames are, where the paper is burning, is the die cut, and you see behind it a Solon Avengers roster with their heads down, kind of in shadow, and it's a Hercules, Black Widow, Vision, Captain America, and Thor. And when you open it, you get a double-page spread, and the white background they're standing on is Moon Knight's cape, and above their head you have a white and purple. Moon Knight against some black sky, and then his cape goes out across the double-page spread. It's some really nice effect and a really good use of. I mean, I know 90s gimmick covers, but this, this is actually a pretty a pretty nice use of that. Um, it's pretty cool because you see the Avengers kind of behind the burning ID card, and you open it up to see them kind of in the shadow of Moon Knight. Um, 
And yes, it's pretty effective. There's also a back cover, which does not have a signature. I think it's still Fry. Maybe not Ivy, I'm not sure, because it kind of looks the same. But also the way it's inked or not inked, if it's just Fry without Ivy, reminiscent of Scott McDaniel, who would go on to do Batman books not too long after this. Um, and then particularly, if you get a chance to see it, or I'll, maybe I'll try to post it, if you look at Moon Knight's hands, um, there's just something very McDaniel-esque about the main Moon Knight figure. But Ivy also has some of the same tendencies. I'm sorry, Fry. I'm getting them mixed up. Fry also has some of the same tendencies uh, through the comic as well. So it could just be a rougher, sketchier version of what he did uh, in the book. So it, it could be Fry. There's also a really cool side shot of his head, like in Profile. On the bottom, uh, you know, with Moon Knight and the Hood kind of coming out like the beak, uh, which we see sometimes in the Conchu representations of Moon Knight. But the back cover honestly reminds me a lot of like art for uh, Batman the Animated Series, which will probably not be the last time I bring that up <laughs> on this episode. Um, definitely some some influence, I think, from from Batman, not only the animated series, but Batman comics at the time uh, in, in this Moon Knight book uh, by the time we get to 93. Um, and I guess we'll talk more about that as we go. So, uh, yeah, pretty great front and back cover. I like them both quite a bit. And let's see what happens in this issue. So, the Avengers give Moon Knight grief because he's been screening their calls. Uh, and Thor eventually brings him in for an intervention. And this is still Eric Masterson Thor. This came out right around the time that that switched back. And we got Thunderstrike and Thor at the same time. But and there's even a note that says, you know, this takes place right before that issue. So um, it's still uh, Eric as Thor. Um, anyway, uh, Black Widow, who is currently leading the Avengers after Steve takes a leave of absence because he has doubts after Operation Galactic Storm about whether the Avengers are, are kind of, whether he still agrees with their mission and their their motives and their uh, MOs. Um, so he stepped away and Black Widow is, is filling in the chair. Um, but Black Widow even... In light of all that, in light of the reasons Captain America left, and maybe the Avengers being a little more grim, is still not sure that Moon Knight, in particular, is a good fit for the team, because he is even more of a rogue agent, even a little more brutal and violent on his solo missions, and they're just not sure that even in the age of 1993 anti-hero, that he's a good fit for the Avengers, and that, that he's, you know, a team player with them. Um... Now, Moon Knight has a good reason, he feels like, for ignoring the Avengers. Um, he's been searching for his partner, Frenchie, um, who's been missing. And, you know, he's been giving all his energy, focus, and priority to that. So he's been following those leads, and whenever Avengers try to call him, he's just, you know, basically uh, declining the call, <laughs> uh, so to speak, in, in modern terms. Um, but yeah, and while he's in the intervention, he actually, through his... Cow communication computer, which is very Batman. <laughs> he gets a, a clue, a lead from uh, his his base, um, and so he decides he needs to leave the meeting, and he knows it's not going to go well. So instead of letting them continue to talk about his attitude and his status on the team, he literally puts his ID card on the desk, lights it on fire, and leaves basically quitting the Avengers before he can get fired. Um, 
and he, and he goes off to try to find his partner. So there's a whole lot of like backstory or, or current story art going on with this with like some magic and some Knight Templar stuff, which I didn't really get. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, meanwhile, at the very end, uh, Gambit breaks into Mark Spector's mansion, which is guarded by, we think, a Jack Russell werewolf. Uh, maybe, I know I wrote this, that synopsis before I read the other two issues, so he's not actually guarding the mansion. He's actually an unwelcome, they're both unwelcome guests. <laughs> Gambit and uh, Werewolf by Night are both unwanted guests there. Um, so Gambit's really only in the last two pages. Um, the art is good in places. I, I actually really like Fry's art on Moon Knight. It's the non-Moon Knight stuff that doesn't do as much for me. Like, his human faces are maybe not great. Um, but yeah, all the Moon Knight stuff looks fantastic. Um, it is very Batman. Uh, you know, he has like a, a Moon Knight cave. He's got his, his themed weapons and vehicles. He always has like his own Oracle and his own Alfred, which is kind of what Frenchie's always kind of been, right? Kind of a combo of those two. Um, and yeah... I mean, the art overall is, is really great in places. I think particularly where you see him struggle is like, like I said, the human faces. There's a, the close-up of Hawkeye and U.S. Agent on the video screen from the West Coast uh, giving their opinion about Moon Knight at the Avengers meeting, and they look pretty terrible. Um, but yeah, uh, art overall is is goes from great to not great all in kind of in one issue, which is not a good thing. Um... So this story, there's like this Falcon Core Knight Templar story. So the Falcon Core thing kind of takes a page from uh, uh, Iron Man. It's like uh, this company is trying to buy out Spectre Core, which, by the way, at this point in Moon Knight's career, uh, I don't know if they've done... I'm not sure whether the multiple personality thing is more of a classic thing or a modern thing, like when that retcon came about to try to align Moon Knight's history and, and give reasons why everything is so different. But right now, they just talk about him having different phases. They don't necessarily say they're different personalities. And right now, he's in the phase of Mark Spector, billionaire industri or millionaire industrialist, which is very Bruce Wayne. Um, kind of Bruce Wayne slash Tony Stark, but there's always been a lot of similarities between those two anyway. Uh, you know, Iron Man, you can say, is Batman with armor, or Batman is Iron Man with a cape, whatever. Um, but Obviously, that's very simplistic. I like both characters and, and recognize there's a lot more difference than that. I'm just... Just some of the arguments you hear sometimes, like on the interwebs, right? Um, so Moon Knight here is very... Mark Spector is very Bruce Wayne-ish. He's even, you know, kind of has that casual, flippant, playboy attitude, like his business never knows when he's going to show up and when he's going to take the work seriously. He has, you know, his love interest is mad at him for being kind of flaky, and she works at the company. I mean, it's all kind of... Kind of Bruce Wayne type stuff. Um, and so this Falcon Core company is trying to take him over. We also kind of are alluded to, and it doesn't pay out in this story arc, but this guy Seth, who is the leader of Falcon Core, thinks he might be in relation to the Egyptian god of death. Um, and I think that may play off later in this series. Um, and there's definitely some undertones that there's a relation to the uh, Egyptian pantheon, which, of course, you know, Khonshu uh, is um, Egyptian in 
kind of in that mythology as well. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming there will be some, some Moon Knight-specific payoffs to that story later. Um, and we also have this Blood Right thing, which is, is uh, Frenchie's deal, where he has, like, genetic memories or something. So with the Knight Templars in this story, there's, like, stuff that's passed down, and the Blood Right, who is a person, um, is able to access genetic memories and personalities of their past uh, Templar relatives. And so one of, the, one of the ladies from the Knight Templar um, finds Frenchie, and that's where they've been holding him. That's where he's been. That's why Moon Knight's looking for him. And the idea is that he will be able to access the memories of all his ancestors and, and help the Templars defeat some demons. Um, so, all of that to say, this kind of drops you in the middle of a, It's kind of the end of a story, but drops you in the middle of a story. I mean, it's the end of Moon Knight's kind of career as an Avenger, kind of breaking those ties, letting him be more solo, especially because I think we're not too far from Stephen Platt coming on the book, and the book gets pretty uh, hyper-intense at that point. I've not read much of that, and I don't know how much I'll get to read, because not much of that is on MU either. I'm hoping some of it gets added, because I've always wanted to kind of check that out. I think I think Platt is a very interesting artist, and I'd like to read some of his Moon Knight stuff. I think that would probably appeal to me more than like his Prophet stuff, just because I think Moon Knight's a much much better character design and, and sorry for all you uh all the pouches fans who also listen to the show i know a lot of you guys i know prophet is kind of highly esteemed over there for early 90s image books but um i never had as much interest but anyway that's neither here nor there i think platt is a very interesting artist so i, I hope i get a chance to read some of that um but yeah i think that that helps this kind of break with the avengers helps kind of clear some tonal inconsistencies and allow Moon Knight to kind of go in a different direction, which I think will be cool. Um, but anyway, all like the demon stuff and the Knight Templar stuff and the corporate espionage stuff, it's nothing as bad or interesting, but there's nothing in this issue to hook me in. And since I haven't been reading it, like that's that's the pitfall of of doing you know a podcast like this. Here I am focusing on on Gambit, so I haven't read the issues all preceding this, and there's kind of it's kind of two turns, right? There's some inequity there. It's maybe a little unfair that I'm trying to judge a story where I'm missing a lot of key elements and a lot of key developments that led to it, um, and that maybe that's not necessarily the, the best way to try to judge a story when there's lots of plot points that I might or might not feel differently about had I read the previous issues. I think the counter-argument to that, that if it's a really good comic and a really good writer, you can still hook people midstream. Uh, it happened to me a lot growing up, right? Uh, buying comics on an allowance when I could get to the store. I read a lot of partial runs when I was a kid. And for the most part, the books that hooked me, I didn't always have the whole story, but there was enough to like grab me and make me interested, even if I couldn't fill in all the holes, though guys like Claremont, as much as sometimes he gets ragged on for his uh, verbosity, did pretty good at filling in the holes. So you can grab an issue in the middle, and I know a lot of people complain like X-Men continuity is so dense, but you can... 
I didn't really ever find it impenetrable as a kid. Um, you know, I, there were definitely things that were like, oh, I wonder what that is. Or maybe I had a question mark, but I could still enjoy the story and kind of tell what was going on. Um, so I think there's a way to hook people midstream. I don't know if this issue did that for me. Um, obviously, you know, my podcast, <laughs> so I can only say my opinion. Uh, I would welcome to hear other opinions um, about this era of Moon Knight. But for me, there was nothing that really said, hey, jump in, get your feet wet. These stories are going to pull you in. So without having the prior knowledge, I just didn't really care. Um, like I said, that may or may not be fair depending on how you want to look at it, but um, this book did not do a whole lot for me um, other than the Moon Knight art action art. And then, you know, Gambit coming in at the end was, was fun. But um, honestly, like to me, the most exciting part about these this issue was the covers, both the front and back. <laughs> so um, I'm afraid I'm going to give uh, Moon Knight number 50 uh, two out of six claws. Now, I did get concerned. I did get pretty concerned. Because, um, you know, the reading order has Gambit and 50. And then not again until 52. But then, the end of this book says, Next issue, Gambit and a galore of guest stars. Um, you know, the werewolf, Seth the Immortal, the Hellbent, Falcon Core, Marlene, the Gremlin. All these forces converge on Moon Knight in issue 51. And I was like, oh, well, shoot, did I not get the right issues? Did I, I, I didn't get 51. I didn't order it or buy it anywhere because Gamut wasn't listed. So I did some more research and, whew, sigh of relief. 50, I guess something happened schedule-wise. Stuff got delayed. 51 is really kind of an interruption fill-in issue so that you can catch back up to 52 in a couple of months. Um, so it was like something happened uh, in the book and they kind of did an... Kavanaugh did use an old story. It had a guest artist, and so I think I think it still tied in a little bit because it looked like it had something to do with werewolves and, and silver bullets and stuff. But um, which we'll see. You know, uh, Werewolf by Night is prominent with Gambit in these next two issues, so I think it, it kept on theme but didn't necessarily continue the story. Or if it did, it just filled in holes for Moon Knight before, so you kind of maybe had some more information. But so we can, we can, with a clean conscience, skip to number 52, um, which is Knight's Gambit. Um, same credits, except for the letter, is Rod Olerenshaw. I think I said that right. Um, this cover is pretty cool. It's set up like a playing card, the King of Spades. And the top half of the card, the King, is Moon Knight. Then you have the line, then the upside down part, the other king is Gambit. Then you have Werewolf by Night howling in the middle. And let me say, there's nothing more 90s than a werewolf in a sleeveless leather j- jacket. <laughs> That's as 90s as you get right there. Um, I actually like this cover quite a bit. I think it's spaced too oddly for me to try to get a good uh cover image for the podcast off of this one so we may get that off of 53 but it's a really nice cover I think it's pretty rad um alright so in this one uh, in between Moon Knight scenes Gambit fights the werewolf for what must be hours at the Spectre Mansion because a lot happens in between the fighting <laughs> and it seems like Moon Knight goes all over the place so so anyway the Moon Knight stuff um he tries to put his neglected life as Mark Spectre millionaire industrialist back to an order uh, then as Moon Knight, he breaks up a gang rape, because uh, the 90s uh, fights 
two weird villains named Glaze and Cubist. Glaze has like a bio-secreted glaze, uh, compared, compared to a donut glaze that she can trap people in. And then Cubist is literally a Picasso painting brought to life. <laughs> um, some glaze, uh, uh, sorry, some bio-slime is what they refer to it as. Um, uh, then he breaks up a fraternity pledge line of beating up homeless people. Man, the people in this comic are terrible. <laughs> um, and then he goes back to the moon cave, where Frenchie is trying to fix the moon computer, or but it has a literal gremlin. Um, did I not? So I, I guess I didn't say. At the, at the end of 50, he does find Frenchie. <laughs> and uh, Frenchie had turned in... Alright, yeah, sorry, I need to back up just a second. I neglected this thing. So, Frenchie, the blood right went wrong. And instead of him absorbing and retaining memories, he actually turned into one of his ancestors, this old French pirate. Um, and Moon Knight fought alongside with him, and then the pirate disappeared, and that's kind of Frenchie's secret. Like, he doesn't, Moon Knight doesn't know it's the same person. Um, so, anyway, sorry. Um, so, Frenchie is back in the moon, the moon cave fixing the moon computer, which has a literal gremlin inside it. Um, but then they get a security breach from the mansion, so Moon Knight arrives post-haste to find Gambit and a werewolf. Um, and he's like, oh, what do we have here? <laughs> um, yeah, so... There's some really cool art in here. Uh, the penthouse on the drive into the city is very much a Batman the Animated Series, kind of a, a noirish thing. The mansion looks like Batman the Animated Series a little bit. Um, the car, like the classic motor car. There's a spiral staircase. There's there's a lot of a lot of trappings of, of that kind of Gotham-esque design in some of the art. Now it actually looks pretty cool. Um, there's also a part where Gambit, while they're fight, while he's fighting the werewolf in the mansion, so we'll cover some of those scenes. There's a nice double-page spread where um, the werewolf slashes him, um, and then there's a part, of course, where he throws cards. There's a part where they're running through the mansion, and he charges up some pool balls, some billiard balls, uh, to throw, and that's pretty nice. Um, and he throws them like like uh, fry. Doesn't like the classic gambit throw, right? Where you get like the arc of energy coming out of his hand and then strand shooting off. And that, so, but instead of cards, they're pool balls. It's pretty cool. Um, we have the moon jet. So a lot of a lot of Batman-esque things going on here. Um, yeah, m the moon disc and like batarangs. Um, and forgive me, I, some of this stuff maybe Moon Knight came first. I don't think. So, I think most of this stuff was established by the time Moon Knight started doing it for Batman. Uh, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty cool. So, Gambit really is just in the background. Like, every couple of pages, he fights the werewolf some more. But Moon Knight does so much stuff. He goes to work. He, um... The only thing I can think of is maybe it's not in order, right? Like, maybe the when Gambit broke into the mansion at the end of 50... Maybe that's the end of this issue where Moon Knight gets the security breach. And so all the stuff we saw with Gambit fighting the werewolf was not happening over this whole time, but only happening in the time it took uh, Moon Knight to leave his cave and go to the mansion. Um, that's, that's possible. Uh, actually, I mean, I think headcanon, that's the only way it works. Because otherwise, 
Gambit got to the mansion and fought the werewolf. And while he's fighting the werewolf, Moon Knight goes to work, goes home, talks to Frenchie for a while, goes out on patrol, busts up three different terrible crimes. Um, I mean, obviously, it's the 90s. There's some pretty gross stuff. Uh, the, The... Indication that a group of guys are trying to rape a female jogger, which is horrible in the park. Um, then you have the silly villains of Glaze and Cubis, which are... I, I mean, the Cubis one is kind of fun, but it's also kind of dumb. And he can also disorient people and make you see, like, Picasso vision. Uh, actually, you know, say it out loud, it's kind of maybe kind of cool, or it could be kind of cool. I don't know if the execution in this issue is particularly cool, but it's an interesting power set. Um, and then he also goes and busts up this, this horrible fraternity initiation where the, fratern- the frat brothers are making the pledges like beat up homeless people. Uh, and so that's n- terrible. And left a ba- All of these crimes... And maybe that's the idea. I mean, to make it so vile and nasty that you're like, yeah, Moon Knight, kick their asses, please. Um, but it just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but anyway, so, and then he goes back to the the Moon Cave after that, spends more time with Frenchie trying to fix the computer, then gets the buzz, and then has to fly back out to the mansion. And it's not the same place. Like, his, his base, his shadow keep, his Moon Cave, is like in more like New York City and then his mansion is more out outside you know kind of like the Xavier mansion kind of outside of New York um and so even with the jet or the the moon plane I'm assuming it still takes some time to get there so if you think if you read it in order that's a hell of a long time for Gambit and the werewolf to fight without any real resolution so I think you almost have to say that all the Gambit and werewolf scenes happen in between Moon Knight getting the alarm, which would have been when the werewolf first arrived at the mansion prior to Gambit. And then Gambit shows up while Moon Knight is en route, and they fight a little bit, you know, while Moon Knight is on his way. Um, yeah, so that said, this one was a little better. Um, obviously, we had a little more Gambit. There's some good verbal sparring as long as... Uh, with the physical sparring between Gambit and Jack Russell. Um, I don't know. The crimes and the execution of the crimes and the patrolling didn't really interest me. I think I'm still going to give Moon Knight 52 uh, two out of six claws, but it's closer to that three mark. So let's see if 53 can get us there, huh? Alright, so 53, which is Werewolf by Night. Very original. <laughs> this is Jack Russell's character's name. Um, and it looks like... So Ken Lopez is a letterer back on this one. And everything else is the same. Um, so this cover, also by Fry and Ivy, is almost awesome. We have like a purple and black background. And we have a close-up of Gambit's face. And he's holding up three cards. And the three cards, the King of Spades is Jack Russell. The Jack of Hearts is Gambit. And the King of Clubs is Moon Knight. And then the cool thing about the Jack of Hearts Club is that the picture of Gambit is the same picture of Gambit holding up the three cards. So it's kind of that image inside of an image inside of an image thing that's pretty cool. The only thing that keeps this from being a completely awesome cover 
is Fry's drawing of Gambit's hand. It's really, like, gnarled. It looks like a 90-year-old, like, arthritic woman. I don't mean that to to put down, you know, arthritis or anything. Um, it just, it looks, it looks terrible. The fingers are all wrong. Um, so, a new hand, and this is an awesome cover. The hand as it is, unfortunately, is not that great. Um, alright, so in this one, Moon Knight and Gambit and the werewolf fight it out. The werewolf is hunting Moon Knight because he has a demon, and he knows that because there was a news report on TV of Moon Knight, uh, and a demon coming out of his chest, I think, from what I, it wasn't explained very well. I think what I caught on in the subtext is that was his brother who had possessed him, but he's, anyway, what they say now is that he doesn't have it anymore. He's exercised it, so the werewolf has really no point to be there. But Gambit is also there, going back to Infinity War, because Psylocke detected a darkness in Moon Knight during that story. So when Gambit was hanging out with Moon Knight, during Affinity War and trying to protect, help protect that kid, Psylocke detected like this really big darkness in him. And and Gambit is basically just being a concerned citizen. And then Gambit and the werewolf are fighting because Moon Knight wasn't there. <laughs> like had Moon Knight or Mark Spector been there when they arrived, probably could have avoided all of this, but since Gambit assumed Moon Knight I'm sorry, since Gambit assumed the werewolf was there for nefarious purposes, and the werewolf assumed Gambit as a thief, or thief, in Cajun, <laughs> uh, was there to just steal shit, um, and th- they started fighting, but really they were both looking for, for Mark Spector slash Moon Knight for different reasons. Um, so but Gambit, eventually having declared his warning, takes off. So then the werewolf uh, decides to calm down and listen to Moon Knight, but he still smells something supernatural. So he's like, well, you say this demon is gone, but I can smell a demon. I can smell something like like supernatural or, or vile. Turns out there's some leftover glaze on Moon Knight's armor from his fight with Glaze and Cubist. So uh, Moon Knight and the werewolf track the Hellbent, so I guess Glaze and Cubis are part of this sect of demons into the Hellbent. They're trying to come to our, our world. Um, and it's, they're a, it's just a group of really odd demons. Like just random ass warlock type demons. And they're hanging out in Central Park. So Moon Knight and Werewolf uh, track him there. Um, and they're not doing so hot until Gambit Han Solo's back in and saves the day. So so seriously, we got Gambit's like, alright guys, I'm out of here. I, I, Moon Knight, I tried to help you. I tried to tell you that Psylocke, who has these great mental powers, uh, was, you know, sent something wrong. I thought maybe I, you know, just try to do the right thing. And even though, you know, you're not part of the X-Men, I wanted to come help you. Um, but if you don't want to listen, that's fine. I'm going to take off. But then he kind of follows them around. And when they get in trouble, he busts in like the Millennium Falcon at the end of episode four. And uh, just comes in and, and saves the day. Throwing his cards around. Just being awesome gambit. Um, and so the tide turns even more when Manx, the Hellbent Hunter, shows, shows up to mop up before disappearing just as quickly as he came on the scene. Um, so our three remaining heroes go their separate ways, all promising to keep their eyes peeled for more helmet. Gambit's like, I'll take it back to the X-Men. We'll look for them. I don't think that pays off anywhere, but maybe it's something I haven't read. Um, 
I know it's not in the very next books. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, werewolves like, you know, I'll, I'll keep my snout to the ground. And Moon Knight's like, yeah, well, obviously I'll, I'll stop these guys. So they're not going to do it together. And they feel like they've won the night, thanks to Manx. But, you know, they all they all promise each other, hey, we won't forget about this. We're not going to sweep it under the rug. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go. Which is kind of a weird way to to end the story and have a gambit exit from the story. But, um, yeah, so the art in this book, really good in the first half and gets kind of sloppy in the second half. So once gambit leaves the first time, the art kind of goes downhill. Um, and it doesn't really pick back up even when he comes back. There's a fun thing. There's a fun panel of Moon Knight smiling under his mask. And you can see this kind of like sometimes people do with Deadpool nowadays. Um, where you see the facial expressions under the cloth and the mask. Um, yeah, but even when Gambit comes back at the end, the art's not as good. So it's not just an injury. The Gambit page is better. It just it looks like the first half of the book or so, he was really into it and on time, and maybe he got late. I don't know. Um, but the last half of the book is not nearly as cool visually as the first half. Um, and this Manx guy, he looks kind of like a werewolf, but he's not, I guess. And then we still have the gremlin, and now he's in the uh, the moon vehicles as well, and just chewing up wires and, and eating stuff. Um, yeah, um, this was better. Maybe so. The art that was good was good throughout, like action and non-action as well. And the art that wasn't as good was maybe worse than before, um, both action and non-action. But um, the story had more flow. It was more contained to what we're actually dealing with and just had a better rhythm to it, I think. So I'm definitely going to give Moon Knight 53 three out of six claws. So, that said, what does Gambit actually have to do in all this? Well, there's no, other than getting to see him throw pool balls, which is pretty cool, uh, you know, Gambit Billiards was nice. Um, I'm not sure there's a whole lot that's added to his character. The only thing I can maybe say is kind of cool is, you know, he had a brief moment of bonding with Moon Knight in Infinity Wars. And then Psylocke was there. Later, Psylocke told Gambit somewhere off panel that, or maybe he was on panel, I just forgot. Um, anyway, she told Gambit, like, hey, I think I think something's wrong with this guy. He may need some help. And, and Gambit takes it upon himself, right, after that, after all Infinity Wars over and he's back home with the X-Men, he's like, you know what? His house isn't that far away. We're both, you know, upstate New York. I can probably go and, and just check in on this guy. He's not part of the X-Men. He's not a mutant. He's not part of our our family, which is, a you know, Gambit's been really taken into, right, since the family, since he's been accepted by the X-Men, especially, you know, considering how they stood up for him to Bishop, right? Like, he has a real strong familial bonding with the X-Men now. But he's not just looking out for his family. This guy that he doesn't really know and doesn't really even consider a friend, right? And just more of a a a fellow hero, but he sees an opportunity or or some some pain that Psylocke told him, and he takes it upon himself to have compassion and go seek him out and say, "Can I help?" And even when Moon Knight doesn't really want his help, he still sticks around to make sure nothing too terrible happens. Um, you know. Because basically he leaves, and for all he knows, you know, the werewolf had calmed down a little bit, 
but he was still like out like he went there for blood right so as far as gambit knows gambit leaves and the werewolf's like all right got him out of the way now it's time to have a moon night moon pie right and have a little snack and so gambit even then sticks around kind of fall he's a little nosy right uh follows him around and then comes in to save the day at the end so i think i think what that tells me is that gambit's while yes he's he's a he's a dashing rogue and a little bit of a a jerk sometimes especially here in the early 90s um but underneath that kind of um rough exterior he really cares about people and i think i think that's an interesting way to pull gambit into this story and i really enjoyed that part um then yeah sure he's a scoundrel but he's got a heart of gold and not only for his family in the x-men and not only because he's trying to hit on rogue but just in general right for people in general um I really kind of enjoyed that aspect of it. I think that, to me, transcends the story and the plot and the writing and the art that we actually got is a, a cool look into how far Gambit will go to help people that are even just tangentially related to him and having crossed paths. Um, so I really I really enjoyed that aspect of it, and I think that in that regard it's worth mentioning, um, even maybe if the comics weren't necessarily all that great. Um, it's a cool... A cool way to do Gambit and a cool motivation to give him, even if most of that I had to infer. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I choose to infer it because I really like it. So that is Gambit and Moon Knight, and that's going to do it for this episode. I said it'd be pretty short, and there you go. So I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I don't know where I'll stick this one, uh, when it, where I have kind of an open slot coming up, still trying to get things kind of back on schedule and back on pace after uh, Snowvid uh, here in Texas. But um, yeah, hopefully when you're hearing this, you're all safe and well and, you know, having, having a good time. And um, yeah, so for the podcast and go snicked, as always, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snickcast. Show notes and stuff are at uh, snickcast.podbean.com. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everyone. Bye-bye. And, oh, wait, I did claws. Shoot. I didn't do my, my ratings. Okay, all right. Um, I will give 50 and 52 two out of four aces, and I'll give 53 three out of four aces to keep on our Gambit gumbo scale. So, anyway, if you, you may have already clued out at the hugs and snicks and the snack and all that but if you're still around extra hugs and snicks bye bye and snacked <laughs>